Welcome back to the Mobile Home Investing Lessons Podcast with your host, John Fedro. Tune in weekly, plus listen to past episodes designed to make you money, save you time, and give you confidence as an active mobile home investor. Now, here's your host, John Fedro. This is so cool, Dominic. I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Man, this is cool. I'm a little bit nervous about this one. I, uh, um, yeah, I don't know why. I think this is awesome. We've been working together now for not quite two years. Um, but when you got started, you were 16 years old. For some reason, you had dreams of investing in mobile homes or real estate. And we'll talk about all that. Um, now, I believe you're 18. Happy birthday. Um, tell us, if you would, like a little bit oh, about yourself. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of questions and we'll dive into what you've been doing. But um, yeah, I guess maybe if you would just like maybe a little bit about yourself, what you like to do for fun, uh, that'd be cool. Well, yeah, just maybe like a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I guess uh, growing up, uh, I kind of didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, I mean, for a while, I was actually, I don't know if we really talked about this, but for, for a while, I wanted to do the culinary or like wanted to go into the culinary industry. Um, and then I guess kind of around maybe my freshman or even sophomore year, uh, I kind of realized I didn't really want to do that. Um, and then I guess through watching YouTube videos, I kind of looked at, you know, real estate investing and ended up finding, you know, mobile homes. Um, and I think it was my sophomore year. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, and that kind of really changed the way I even really thought about money completely. Um, and kind of just made me want to save money and then reinvest it to make even more money. Um, so I, um, before I did mobile homes, another entrepreneurial thing, I know we've talked about this, John, but, uh, my brother and I flipped cars at one point. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess that's just kind of background on some other things. I've done. Dude, that's incredible. Um, we will come back to that because is that, well, is that common? Do you think like for, you know, for people now that are 15, 16, 12, 10 is, you know, is like a side hustle. Is that common? I mean, when I was younger, I had, I felt like it was weird, but I had a few businesses that weren't terrible, but like, that was weird. I mean, now is, is a side hustle normal? Like when you're 10 years old, are you, is everyone having a business? Uh, I mean, I certainly wouldn't say everyone. Um, I mean, I do see other uh, teens doing some things like, either car detailing services more commonly or, or I guess like a lot of different types of side hustles. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't say everyone's has, you know, a side hustle like that. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. We'll talk more about that too. Um, I guess there's so many, you know, things to maybe make money now or side hustles or even making YouTube videos or making money doing that. I know a lot of people want to strive to do that um but we're talking about mobile homes in this video in this podcast you have roughly how many deals under your belt uh i've closed six deals nice okay six deals before you turned 18 <laughs> six deals means you've helped six buyers you've helped six sellers you've helped maybe up to six parks that's you know almost 20 people that you've helped. Um, there's a lot more to help. There's a lot more to do. Um, man, that's incredible. It has your, 
I got so many questions here. I, I was always, not always, but for the longest time, a couple of years, I was always the youngest person at real estate groups, at, you know, the meetups and things like that. And, and then that slowly changed. And now I'm talking to the youngest person uh, that I know that's a mobile home investor or real estate investor and a successful one at that. So, man, it's crazy for me. It's like, this is the circle of life. <laughs> I guess it all kind of comes around, but that's so cool. Have, did you notice was, this was a huge fear for me when I was 18, 19, but looking like I was way younger. Did you, were you fearful? Are you fearful about people misinterpreting or like your age or looking young, or was that a big fear for you? Was that a big like mental roadblock that almost stopped you? Or how did you deal with that? Um, I mean, I'd say so at first. Yes, definitely. I was pretty nervous. I remember like the first time even uh, introducing myself to a park manager, just like sitting in my car and like taking deep breaths and thinking and um, even like, you know, the first couple appointments. Uh, I mean, I guess I would see people's faces uh, and I could tell they, you know, just kind of thought I was younger or also I'm going to have people ask me like, oh, how long have you been doing this? Um, and I've had some people just flat out ask me like, how old are you? Um, and then whenever I, I, especially whenever I was, uh, under 18 and I tell them it usually wasn't like a, oh, you know, you're, you know, under 18, so you don't know what you're doing. It's kind of like a, wow, that's really cool that you're, you know, in this industry, you're that young of an age, but. When they know, when people see that you care, when you're listening, when you have some answers, when you work with a company, um, yeah, it all makes sense. And if people are going to super grill you or they don't want your help, or they don't want your money, then maybe that's not the, you know, motivated seller or the one that we need to be talking to. Um, that's funny. I remember talking in a deeper voice myself and my friends would make fun of me because I'm talking normal. And then when I pick up the phone, hello, mobile home solutions. And then when I meet people, always when I met people, I was like, I was talking to you. And like, just because of the deeper voice. Mm -hmm. Like when I got started, I was nervous. Like you're dealing with people's lives. You're dealing with, with real estate sort of, um, what, you know, were there any surprises? Was this more complicated than you thought easier? Were the people, were the parks like, yeah, what was anything that really surprised you? Um, I guess the biggest thing like, from, uh, that I realized at first, or like before going into mobile home investing, I thought all, all the work would be into like, would be a kind of, I guess, after I bought the home into like doing repairs and things like that. But now that I've started, I've realized pretty much like 90% of the work is just finding deals, uh, which I really did not expect. Um, I mean, I also, yeah, like, that's definitely probably the biggest surprise that I have is just realizing that that is the work is just finding deals. But yeah. Dude, so true. I know I've said that to you a number of times, like, okay, the hard work is over. I mean, not really, there's still work to be done, but when you find the deal, when you, you know, get it under contract or you, you close on it. Yeah. It's like, okay, the, the hard work is done. Now the home should sell itself unless you bought a bad deal or it's overpriced or it's ugly or a bad deal. Then you have to manipulate people or like try to sell it. Oh, who can I sell this to? Who can I fool into buying this? But if it's a good deal, you market it and advertise it, the home it's cheesy, but the home will sell itself. Um, with the six deals that you have under your belt, roughly, what does that look like from a profit standpoint? If you don't mind me asking, like just kind of the dollars that you're, that you've made. 
So, like, total profits between all the deals has been a little over $35,000. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's really awesome. For six deals um, and going to school, most like, partly time, part-time. Um, dude, that's huge. Would you say that you are ahead of where you want to be or behind? Like, are you feel accomplished or do you feel like, man, I should have did more? Um, I mean, I'd say both, but I mean, I do feel, you know, accomplished for, I mean, doing six deals, but I mean, I kind of initially, I guess I, I, I don't know. I guess I thought as soon as I started, I maybe would be, it'd be easy to get to the point of doing like three deals a month and then, you know, uh, starting and realizing how much you have to actually, I guess, put in to actually find like a number of deals because, uh, you know, there's tons of deals where like, I really think I'm about to close on a deal and then something happens where, uh, I don't know. It just, it doesn't turn into a deal where either I make an offer that I think like a park, especially parks, I've made tons of offers on parks. And I don't think um, other than a home I got for free from a park, like of the actual cash offers I've made to parks, they've always been too low and they've never even like countered. Um, so, I mean, I guess realizing how many appointments you actually have to go to uh, and then how many offers you have to make. Cause I mean, a lot of deals I pass up on to then actually uh, only get like a few deals from tons of leads. You don't have any that you're holding. You're you you sold everything for cash. Yes, all of them. Uh, I, I think my first deal is a consignment deal, um, and then the other five have really been like cash flips. That's awesome. How much, if you don't mind me asking, like how much capital did you start with when you? Uh, so I actually had quite a bit saved up because, uh, you know, just I was saving for a while, uh, even through like flipping cars at first. And then I worked a fast food job for about like seven months. And I really just tried to save as much money as possible. Um, so I think even when I started my job, I was already thinking about mobile homes. Uh, so I had uh, a little over 10 grand saved up. Yeah. Even though my first deal was a consignment. So I don't I didn't even really use any of that capital. Uh, but so I did have a good amount of money. How, what percentage of the homes that you've done have had to be moved after you sold them? You know, you, you sold the home and then the home couldn't stay there. It had to be moved. I believe, let me just think about that. Um, actually, five of them have had to be moved and then only one could stay in the park. Okay. Or, I mean, one, most of my deals have been like, and even most of my leads have been just people who have a home on land that they own. And they want the home moved off um, either because they're like building a house or getting a new mobile home or something. Um, but yeah. That's awesome. So that way you've been able to then quickly turn those for cash. If you're selling them to somebody that wants to buy it and move it. Yeah. Do for, for you, for everyone listening, try not to take payments. If you're going to sell that home and someone's going to buy it from you and then move it, take cash. And I would say now, 2022 has never been a better time to sell for cash. The last 20 years that I've been doing this, the first 15 years, you were hard pressed to sell for cash. We were selling for payments. That's what these mobile homes do. Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. Only in the last five, six, seven years have we been able to have people had so much more money. And now prices are going up and people are paying big, you know, big money for these mobile homes, especially compared to what they were paying and cash. It's all cash. Now, most of our deals. Now we do sell for cash. And when we try to sell for payments, people are like, Hey, I want to give you cash instead. And it's hard to say no. 
people make you, you know, offers that you can't refuse. What's something advice for adults that have children that are looking at you and say, man, I would love to have like a Dominic. I would love to have my child be more ambitious. Instead, they're just doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'd rather them be more ambitious like Dominic. Is there anything that looking back helped spark that or change that? I know you said you were flipping cars with your brother. Is there anything that got you into that mindset? Um, I mean, I really have all kind of always, I have had ambition of, you know, I guess building wealth. Um, I don't know, I guess, I mean, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad really did kind of change my mindset as far as, I guess, kind of saving money and things like that. Um, no, I mean, I guess to answer your question, no, I don't really know how you can make, I guess you can't really force ambition, kind of how you said earlier. Um, so if someone just doesn't, you know, care to, do anything like that. I don't really know how you could, you know, give them ambition like that. I was hoping for some miracle answer. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> but, but, but like you said, if maybe it's a timing thing, the book really helped. Um, do you feel like you have people to talk to? Do you feel like alone in your, you know, in your quest for like creating a business, do you feel like, you know, with your friends you're like talking another language or do you have people to talk to about this or like-minded like a support, support group? Uh, no, not any sort of like team, nothing like that, John. Uh, no, uh, I have talked to some friends about this, you know, kind of what I do and they think it's really cool. Um, but even of the people I've talked to, I haven't really met anyone who's even wanted to go into mobile homes or I guess investing in real estate well, like this. But. not too surprised about not going into mobile homes but mm. um okay no that's awesome uh, and i know we talk a bunch you always have questions for like i love that because the folks that i find that do best in this business maybe it's all real estate but you're, you're you're a sponge you know no one knows about mobile homes when they're born and even when you get started in mobile home investing everything is new you're like you're driving through parks you're driving through neighborhoods you're talking to managers sellers buyers lenders and like you should be a sponge because this is your niche it's your specialty maybe not forever for you know people listening to the podcast but while you're investing you should have a very high curiosity for mobile homes why does this look like this why is this even there what are those people doing like why are these like just a, a curiosity and you have that. I mean, that's just something I want to point out because you're always asking questions, um, which is awesome. Yeah. And I know we've talked a bunch about that. How has it been on a side tangent? How has it been working together? You and I, is that, what's that experience been like? Oh, it's been amazing. Cause like, you know, um, I guess even when I was starting out, uh, one big thing I realized, I guess just about your program is, uh, like I knew I would run into real world situations that, you know, no matter, I, I don't think you'd fit into any course. Um, and then, you know, just based on all the experience you've had and also with other students, um, you know, I can say like, Hey, right now this home has this thing and the park wants this. And then you can say based on like, I don't know, I guess just all the knowledge you have, you can kind of literally tell me what the best way to go at it is versus uh, if I just had some pre-made course, I wouldn't really know. Uh, how to go at every situation. So it's been so helpful to just have your phone number um, and then also be able to send you pictures like, hey, this, you know, uh, 
this is what this home looks like. You know, what is this damage? Uh, and you'll kind of say, oh, that's, you know, this certain material, uh, you know, it can be cheap. I don't know. It just, I guess the biggest thing is you've been able to help me based on whatever situation I'm in, uh, which has been the most valuable thing. So. Thank you for saying that, Dominic. You would not have been in those situations if it wasn't for you. You're the magic that is putting in the hard work, the effort, the struggle, the BS that you've been dealing with. You could have given up a thousand times, but you kept pushing forward. And I know it's been uncomfortable for you. And really anyone, like we're not geniuses. Um, is, you know, you can be in whatever state, because I've, you know, I've seen this work now across the country. If you do the things, if you're just a puppet, or a machine, and you do the things that you're supposed to do, you put yourself in where sellers can find you and you can find sellers. And then there's that first domino that falls. It's like, okay, we're talking to sellers. Now all the other dominoes happen. You talk to the seller, you maybe set an appointment, you make offers, you counter, you negotiate, you know, inspect the home, do paperwork, like all that happens, but it's just that first domino. And that, you know, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. I'd like to talk um, a little bit, if it's all right, about um, about a deal, maybe a deal that was memorable to you. Kind of tell us about that deal from start to finish and maybe what you were feeling, if you were feeling scared or confused or, man, I made the wrong decision or I can't believe it's this easy, anything like that. That'd be great. Um, I mean, I guess just one deal that kind of stands out as being interesting, I guess, um, or unique, even though, I mean, every deal is unique in its own way. <laughs> Uh, but I guess just one thing, I guess it's kind of an interesting story is probably my third deal. Um, essentially, this was a home that was in a park. And uh, whenever I initially um, got this lead, the, you know, the home looked very nice, uh, but the guy just wanted me to make an offer on the home. Um, and uh, essentially, you know, I saw pictures of it and it really, it was like a mid nineties home, I believe. Um, but it really looked like it definitely had been remodeled at some point. Um, but we kind of, after we was talking, we decided that we'd probably be like around like $10,000 or less um, to buy it. Uh, and then the guy, uh, I, I just had, was communicating with him through email. Um, and he did not even respond at first. And then like a month later, uh, he was like, y'all, you know, $10,000 is super low. You know, I just, I think he said he had purchased it at some point for like, like a few years back for like 20 or something. Um, and then, but basically he, whenever he contacted me again, he was uh, leaving to go to Egypt in like two days. Uh, and then he was said he would sell it for like 15. And then we countered with 12. Um, and then he kind of asked if we could do a consignment or, you know, I never even offered the consignment, but he, you know, asked if we could do something like that, where, you know, we sold it for him. Uh, and I said, you know, based on people's time frame, sometimes we can do things like that. Uh, and then I talked with you and you were like, Hey, if he can, you know, leave, uh, the signed over title, uh, then yes, you know, we could do that. Cause then we could send him the money after that. And we could still have plenty of time to find a buyer. Um, you know, cause if he's, there's no way we're going to be able to find a buyer in like two days before he leaves. Um, but the thing was, he was not, you know, okay with just leaving the signed over title because, you know, if we were, you know, unethical, then we could essentially just, you know, steal the home in a sense and sell it and then never wire him any money or anything. 
Um, so what we decided to do was try to find either a attorney or a title company to essentially be the middle person in this whole transaction um, where he would send them the title. Uh, and then once we found a buyer, the buyer would send them uh, the money for the home. Uh, and I guess like a total sale price. And then the uh, title company slash attorney, whoever we found would send him his agreed 15,000 and then take their fee of whatever they charge and then uh, give me the rest of the profits and essentially just honor the consignment agreement. Right. Um, but basically after talking with tons of title companies and attorneys, no one really was willing to do it. Like uh, I think like two thirds of the title companies I talked to just said that they didn't even work with mobile homes at all. And then like another, like half of the rest said, if it's on land and they will work with it. But since, you know, this home was in a park, they wouldn't work with it. And then whenever I kind of explained the rest of it, how he's, you know, in Egypt and we want them to kind of just be the middle person and take money. Then a lot of them are like, oh no, we can't really do anything like that. Um, and then talking with tons of attorneys, just hearing the same thing. No, that's not really what, you know, we specialize in. Uh, but eventually after talking with tons of attorneys, I found one guy, um, who said he would do it. However, he wanted like $2,800 just to, you know, do a very small amount of work. And, uh, you know, we talked to that and you know, we obviously did like, that's crazy that he wants that much. Um, but then you suggested, well, why don't I just ask the park manager, uh, you know, like just explain the situation to them. And see if they'll be the middle person. And right away, she was like, "Oh yeah, sure." Well, you know, she, she kind of understood exactly uh, how I was, you know, going to do a consignment agreement, and she kind of understood. And she's like, "Yeah, I'll do that." Um, and then I don't. I believe at that point I may have already found um, a buyer for the home. So I think, and like it was agreed upon a price uh, around like twenty eight thousand. So it was a very good deal. So at that point, I was comfortable actually just wiring my own money and buying the home essentially so it kind of started as a consignment agreement but really was a cash flip um and yeah i mean we ended up she or he sent the park manager the signed statement of ownership and i just called her and she's like yeah it has his signature on the bottom line uh it was just like a signed agreement and you know we talked and the tdha would still accept that i wish i did you know the, the title ended up transferring just fine um, so I basically bought the home for 15,000 and then had to pay the taxes on the home for like, I think 140 and then the rest were profits. So yeah, it was a very good deal. Dude, that is a very good deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Over $10,000 in profit for, you did have to buy it. You did have to put your $15,000 out for a little bit, but then get back 28. Have prices surprised you? Like are prices going up or have you noticed them from when you started? Are they continuing to rise or have prices surprised you like on that one? Or what have you thought about the prices? Um, I mean, I would say in different areas, that's been the biggest surprise. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say just between areas, like one home, I think my, it was the fifth home I sold. Uh, basically it was kind of in a more rural area. Uh, and was about an hour and a half north of me. And it was a, you know, three bedroom, two bath. It was a, it's a mid eighties home, but it was a handyman special. And there really was not much demand versus areas like an hour south of me. There's would be tons of demand. Uh, and the home that I sold that was like, you know, an hour and a half north of me would have probably sold for 
I, I don't know, maybe double the price, but I don't know. I, I guess the biggest thing is how different areas uh, affect the price. There's, yes. Areas, parks, like, I mean, parks, one park next to another park in some, in some areas. Um, and you can go into it like, I'm getting such a good deal. And then realize like, oh, this, you know, I didn't have all the, I didn't have all the uh, knowledge or I didn't have all the facts before buying this. And I, I overlooked something small, but it's good. You know, that's, that's really costly. You said before, like you were practicing, talking to a manager in your car and kind of rehearsing. Do you have anything that you tell yourself or pep talk or you listen to the music real loud, like anything to help you do it, like get past that fear? Uh, I mean, I say at this point, I've just kind of talked with so many park managers and gone through quite a few appointments where it's definitely become easier. Um, so I guess just through experience, I just get more used to it. But uh, I don't know. I, I think the biggest thing is just having experience doing it, realizing it's not a huge deal. And as long as you can help people, then, uh, you know, they're willing to work with you. Uh, so, no, I mean, there's not really anything I would do other than, I mean, I definitely was taking deep breaths. Even the first, my first deal was a consignment agreement. You know, I was very nervous. Like, you know, I'm just a kid, you know, how am I going to, you know, these people are really going to, you know, sign Dude, to have I me essentially, know. you know, uh, <laughs> find them a buyer for their home. Uh, but then I guess just, I guess the biggest thing is just doing it, realizing I can do it. And then I'm not as nervous going into it in the future. But. I guess that's true. Like with most things like that, that, that confidence, that like little bit of confidence builds up like a snowball kind of down a hill. And yeah, the, the more you do like the little things, even just like working out like every day, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I feel better and I'm more confident and oh, I can stronger. And then just doing it ultimately. Um, and what is it? Courage is not like having no fear. It's just still doing the thing in the presence of the fear. Um, and you're still having fear. You're, you're going to own parks. You're talking to brokers now about parks and sellers about parks. And that's, I'm sure, a little bit fearful. What is, this is something I don't ask um, often, but what's your why? You know, a lot of people, you know, kind of talk about the why. You need a why in this business or to do anything, like you need a why. What is your, you know, why that you're doing this? Uh, I mean, I have had the goal of buying a park for a while now. Or that's kind of always been a big vision. Uh, so, I mean, I would definitely say that's a, the big I guess goal or what I'm trying to accomplish, um, you know, at that point, that's just going to be passive income forever uh, when I'm, you know, own the land. But yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. And then I guess just building wealth and owning more real estate as I get older. That's, I guess that's my biggest, that's the why for me. I'm so proud of you. I mean, folks, if you're whatever age you're doing this, and I guess there's something, you know, hard about maybe starting this in when you're 70 or something, you know, that's maybe equally scary. Um, but, or any, any age is probably scary, but just great work, Dominic. You will have, I mean, you have a long career ahead of you and I know you're going to help a lot of people, you know, in a number of ways, or just, I can't even imagine what, you know, your, your career is going to look like. Um, what's the bottleneck right now in your business? Like if you want to do more deals, because in the beginning of the, the, the podcast, you said, I thought it was going to be a lot easier ramping up to like three deals at once or, you know, three deals every month or something like that. What's the bottleneck? What's stopping you from doing that? Is the leads, the money, the something else? Or yeah, I guess what's kind of holding you back there? Um, I would say leads. I mean, one thing that I think I have not done is really built 
relationships with park managers where like I've closed a deal inside of the park and then gotten multiple other like really good leads from that same manager. Um, I mean, I, I have gone home for free and I was like, there was a basically a one park where they were considering, they just thought they had to demolish the home. So it was like a hoarder home, uh, smelled horrible. You know, I've been in quite a few really bad smelling homes and this one was by far the worst. Um, and uh, the park manager was just like, you know, we, whenever she initially called me, she's like, we'd even pay you to just take it. And I was like, no, I don't really, uh, I, mean, I guess I probably could have tried something there, but uh, I was like, no, I don't really, you know, want any payment. Uh, but essentially, you know, I can definitely have the home gone for free. Uh, you know, no cost to y'all. And she's like, okay, that sounds great. And then I was able to sell the home pretty quickly. Uh, and I was like, you know, in the future, if y'all have other homes, you know, ideally I'd want to leave the home in the park, uh, but I'm interested in really any homes in any condition. Um, so I don't know if maybe if I would have closed a deal inside of a park and then like uh, sold the home to a buyer who was park approved uh, and kind of worked quickly, then it's like I maybe could have proven myself to a park manager. Um, so then they would have given me more deals in the future. Uh, and also I'd get more consistent deals. Um, but I mean, I, I, you kind of just asked what would be a, uh, cause me to be able to close three deals a month. Uh, so I think having multiple relationships like that built with park managers would be a big help, but. You're right. Well, it's too late now. No, I'm just kidding. You're plenty of time. <laughs> no, that's so cool. You're, it is interesting though, that yeah, none of your deals so far have been like, well, the one's been in a park or that you've kept it in a park, but you're, you're right. I mean, that when most people think, oh, mobile home investing, they're thinking, oh, you know, working in the parks or working with the managers. And even I say that, like growing quicker in a park, once you have a home in a park, you've planted your flag, you're paying on time, they know you're easy to work with, they like you, you clean up the homes, you're not just selling junk. You know, they kind of want to give it to you, they trust you more. And it's like, here, do this so we don't have to do it. Um, but that hasn't even really happened yet. And there's a ton of parks around you. You've talked to a lot of those managers. You made offers to a lot of those managers. Um, and yeah, you haven't done any, I mean, you haven't done any bad deals. Have you done a, you think in looking back, do you think like there's a deal where it's like, I would never do this again? Would you, is there any, been a deal like that? Uh, no, definitely not like where I would never do it again. Um, you know, I mean, there was one where after, uh, I think my fourth deal, uh, I only saw the outside of the home uh basically like it was a uh, it was like a parent's home like they, this guy was it was a pretty old dude where he owned the home and then he was living with his family uh and then it was vacant for a really long time and uh all the family lived in like areas that were like far from the home um so I, I basically i never ended up seeing the inside of the home by the time i bought it and whenever i did uh i sent you a video of the home and like from the outside and from what we could see like into the window, it definitely looked pretty good. Like all, like there was a soft spot on one floor, um, but the rest of the home from what we could see, it definitely looked pretty good. Um, and on that one, it was a free home, but I had to pay off their lot. It's really, it's really like an $850 home. That's right. uh, but still from what we saw, we thought it was an amazing deal. And whenever I went inside, uh, the whole like living room ceiling was like caved in because it was like raining. And then the entire living room floor was soft and the entire island was sunken into the floor. Um, and then I remember whenever I first called you, I was like, oh, John, this one's definitely, you know, not as nice as we thought. And you were like, uh, how much did you pay for it? Like, you thought was, I think that was the first thing you said, like, how much did you pay for this one, Dominic? 
And I was like, oh, yeah, I was just, you know, I had to pay off a lot of rent. Um, and then this was a double wide that had to be moved. And then I posted it on Facebook for like 6,500. And within like maybe two or three hours, I had like 20 people contacting me saying, hey, you know, I want to come. You know, a lot of people say, is this still available? Uh, and then you say, yes, it is. And they never respond back to you. But there was definitely a lot of demand for it. Uh, so I ended up raising the price to like 12,500 to see if I could sell it to someone. And then uh, there were other people that offered like higher amounts, but a lot of them weren't serious, um, but ended up selling it for like six grand. So it was still a very good deal. Um, and then getting it moved out uh, of the park. Cause I think the park was, if they had to evict the person, then they would have ended up just demolishing it. Yeah. Um, so it was, I got it, you know, moved out of the park quicker than the park could have. And just made it, I, I think I added value to kind of everyone's lives because I paid off, you know, the sellers backed up a lot of rent. And then, you know, also have some money that the park, you know, now has, and then got it moved off, you know, much quicker than the park would have if they had evicted yeah. the person and then had to then go and demolish it. Um, so, I mean, you kind of just asked me if there was a deal I regretted doing. Uh, when I, I initially saw that, I thought maybe I shouldn't have bought it, but it ended up working out. Uh, I... <laughs> Yeah, as you were talking about that, I remember that 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 realizing, you know, looking at the pictures, saying, "Well, first of all, buying a home, not going inside, we almost never do that." And people listening, you should not do that if unless you can go inside or really see every room through every window. Um, that wasn't the case. And when you walked in the home, Dominic, the ceiling was caving in. The island you said was soft or going through the floor. Um, yeah, it sounds like over five grand you made on that mm. one and the manager was happy with you great job again i'm just sort of rambling now anything on this video on this podcast i know it's tough to condense like year and a half of working together and all of the trials and tribulations and laughs we've had and like lessons that we've learned and is i know that's tough to condense into like a short podcast anything else that you'd want to talk to people directly about uh if they're thinking about investing or if they're like 14 years old or 16 years old for some reason or 50 years old like is there something that you want to say i guess or you know you have experience you have more experience than a lot of other people so i don't know is there anything you'd like to say or we missed um i mean i guess one big thing is I it kind of took me a while to close my first deal um, there. I got, I don't want to say a ton of leads, uh, you know, sometimes parks would have homes and things, uh, you know, deals wouldn't work for whatever reason. So I'd say when you're starting out, definitely just keep going. Uh, also, you know, uh, I've kind of learned from even deals that I haven't done. Like uh, I, I just remember one in particular, it was a pretty nice home. Uh, and I didn't really end up making an offer. I, uh, I think I just told the seller, Hey, you should probably just post it on Facebook marketplace for whatever reason. We just decided it wasn't right. Uh, so looking back, I was like, maybe I could have offered a consignment, um, or something like that. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'd say if, if you're new and you just feel like you're losing a lot of deals, I'd say just keep going. Uh, and I guess just keep learning from even from the deals you don't do, but yeah. So well said, learn from all of that. Or the everything. I mean, what's working, what's not. Keep track of your finances. You know, what's working with marketing, with making offers, with closing, with negotiating, with certain parks or locations. Or the list goes on. Um, great, great point, Dominic. Um, 
And you did make, I think that's important in the beginning. Like the first, you said, you know, you, you passed on some deals in the beginning. You made a lot of offers. Your first couple deals, in my opinion, when someone's getting started, your first few deals have to be just banging. I mean, they got to be really good. Um, they don't have to be super, super good, but they just, they can't be losers or skinny. I mean, we never want to do skinny deals or losers, but especially in the beginning, like you, you know, you have to set the bar high and, um, I mean, you could have done, and you still could do skinny deals all the time, but obviously we're looking for, you know, safe, profitable deals. And now you have more of a reputation. Now you have more advertising. Now you're making more money so you can do more advertising where in the beginning you're, you know, doing more free and inexpensive stuff. Now you can really start to make more of a name for yourself um, with mobile homes, with parks. Thank you for this. This is I remember the first time that we were talking, I remember just where I was. And I remember just being thinking like, this is cool. Like seeing or hearing, you know, Dominic on the, the, the edge on the precipice of what is going to come. And we all make that decision for ourselves every day. When we when we, we wake up, we make decisions and it's that constant, you know, day-to-day -day activity. Like no, no one thing you did made you this success. It's that constant day in day out activity where a lot of it is unsexy a lot of it is just you know mundane or you're questioning yourself or man is this worth it or should i be doing this and the answer is yes anyway thank you so much dominic um i'll talk to you soon i'm sure and then everyone else thanks for listening if you got this far i hope that this was very helpful for you and i hope that you know listening to dominic you can see that we all have issues or problems or hurdles or mindset challenges and we can each get through that. There's nothing stopping us but ourselves and putting in the action and having a plan and like being able to ask your questions, which Dominic, I love. Keep calling me. We talk very often and that's because you're busy and you will have questions if you are busy. So um, mm -hmm. anyway, thanks again, Dominic, for being here. Oh yeah, thanks for having me, John. It's been really cool to actually come on to a pod. Yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah, I know. Wasn't you were saying like in the beginning, this is kind of a a goal, uh, which I think is crazy. I mean, this is like mm -hmm. your goal should be, you know, help people and make money, but the, I'm super proud of you, Dominic. Thank you. So yeah, mm -hmm. this is you're an inspiration. It's cheesy, but you are an inspiration to me as well. Like I think of, you know, like, you know, Dominic can do this or, you know, Dominic, you know, he can do it. I can, you know, I need to. So I thought that over the past couple of years, I, you, you helped me out in situations you don't even know just oh. by like helping me kind of give me that motivation. So Anyway, have a good rest of the day. I'll talk to you, Dominic, soon. Anyone else have any questions? You can email me at support at mobilehomeinvesting.net. The ideas and, and advice given in today's episode are for entertainment purposes only. If you have future ideas or questions for upcoming episodes, please email us at support at mobilehomeinvesting.net. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, the biggest compliment you can give is to like and share this podcast with your friends.